Welcome to the She Who Wins podcast. I'm your host, Renee Bauer. I'm an attorney, entrepreneur, author, speaker, and investor. This is the place where we dive into all of the things that matter to you and most importantly, uncover what's holding you back from realizing your dreams. Because she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins. All right, so this episode of She Who Wins is a little different and a little special. Today is the day that my book has officially landed in the world. It is officially out, and I'm going to do something a little bit different. You just have me today. I'm going to, I want to actually first share the story of how I got my book deal, but I also want to share the introduction to the book that I'm going to read as well. So let's start first with the story behind the book. Now, I'm a writer. It's the thing that I have been doing forever. Like since I was a little kid, I was a writer. And I always thought to myself, I was going to write books when I grew up. And I remember, I remember in sixth grade, I submitted a, an essay into this contest that we had to uh, participate in. And I remember with my teacher, who I absolutely adored, my sixth grade teacher, we worked on our papers and handed it into her and she handed it back with suggestions. And I remember starting that paper with a a very descriptive introduction rather than what schools typically teach you on how you write an essay. And she handed it back to me and she said, I love this. Um, I would consider changing the introduction to something a little bit more like the formula that we teach. And she's like, but it's your paper. So you don't have to. And I remember saying, no, I want to submit it this way. And a couple months later, she, uh, the vice principal of the school and her came knocking on the classroom door. It was in a, uh, a Greek mythology class at the time. Why I remember that random thing, but I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday is beyond me. But they came and pulled me out of the class and told me that I placed second in that statewide writing contest. And I had to go to this um, this award ceremony where we had to stand up and read our essay. So, you know, that was, that was, I can't even say that was the start of my writing journey. Um, that was the start of maybe actually sharing my writing in a broader way. But what I also talk about and um, in the book, and I've talked about it, keynotes that I give is that somewhere along the way in my adulthood, I stopped writing. And I don't know why. Um, I can't blame anyone. I can't say that I stopped writing because I was in a marriage that wasn't a good fit or what, like, I'm not doing that. Like I stopped writing because I stopped writing and I lost the passion for it. But when I was going through my first divorce, I was presented with an opportunity for a small press. Um, I had written a couple articles that were published in this magazine called The Connecticut Lawyer. And the, the editor of that magazine came to me and said, hey, I have an idea for a book. Do you want to write it? I need someone to write this book. And it was called The Ultimate Guide to Solo and Small Firm Success. And the funniest thing about this is that I had just started my law firm. Like I was, I think, maybe a year into it. I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I, let me tell you, I was not the picture of 
who should be writing a book about the ultimate guide to solo and small firm success. Like I literally operated off of a folding table for a really long time because I measured, I didn't measure the desk that I wanted to buy and it didn't fit through the door. Like I was not that person, but I was a writer. And so I said, okay, I, I can do that. Like I can figure this out. And so that was really the first book, but it was very focused on like practical how to. And I, so when that book came out, I stopped writing again creatively. And at some point after my second divorce, I started writing again, which is crazy that like I used, it was, it was going through divorces that reminded me of this thing that I love to do. So when I went through my second divorce, I started writing and working on this fiction piece. Um, it was a mystery novel that took place in 1900 in New Haven. And I knew that I wanted to go the traditional route with this. I knew I wanted to get an agent and I wanted to get it traditionally published. And um, in order to do that, I had to find a literary agent. And so um I received 113 rejections from literary agents. If you've been with me long enough, you've heard me talk about that and use that number, 113 rejections. That means 113 people sent me an email that said, no, thanks. This book isn't for us. You're not good enough. Um, no one actually said that, but that's the way I took it. And then finally, I had an email that came through, I'll never forget, waking up in the morning, and I looked at this email, and it said something like, um, do you have time to, I read your manuscript, do you have time to talk today? And I low-key freaked out, and I was like, does that mean this agent wants to represent me? Does that, what does that mean? And so it was like 6.30 in the morning, and I responded, I'm like, yep, I can talk like now maybe after coffee, lunchtime. So we, we set up the call and that was when she offered representation for a mystery novel that I wrote, um, which is not the book that is out in the world right now. So that was sort of opened the door to that world. And at one point, and Anne um, is, she's amazing. Um, she is the most incredible, fabulous literary agent. Um, I'm totally biased, but she's awesome. And she fights hard for her clients and she has just such an eye for work and for edits. Um, and every time like she gives you something back, you read it and you want to cry and you're also like, damn it, I know she's right. So I approached her one day and I was like, Anne, I have an idea. I want to write a personal development book. I want it to be different than anything else that's out there because I'm a storyteller and I'm a writer. Like, I don't want to just create this like how to self-help book. I want to create something that is that, but storytelling. And I want people to feel like someone who reads it can relate to it. And I know I went off in this whole tangent and I was like, and it's going to be about this and it's going to be this. And, and, you know, all of this, this like stuff, it's like F, you know, the patriarchy, like it's all this. I, I don't know what happened in the world, but I was really like angry. <laughs> so she's like, you know, that's really cool. I think that's a great idea. But the problem is you don't have a platform and nonfiction books sell when they have the author has a platform. And as she's talking to me, I'm like Googling, what is a platform? How do I get one of those? What do I need to do? And hence started the journey of all of the things, um, the podcast, social media, like all of the stuff started because Anne told me that I needed a platform. 
um, in order to write this book that I wanted to write. So about a year later, I went back to her. I had a respectable platform. I had I had this podcast and I said, okay, I'm like, I have a platform now. Can we can we do this? Can can we try to sell this book? And initially it was a book on divorce. Now, if you've been listening to me for a while, you know this podcast was completely based on divorce for a really long time. It was that happened even after podcasts and we talked about all divorce topics, but um, I, that was how, what we pitched our first book. And then at one point I said to her, I'm like, you know, that's not really the book I want to write. The book I want to write is not just for someone who's gotten to the point where their relationship has come to completion. It's for any woman who is at that point where they're questioning themselves and saying, you know, there is there more, or I'm not happy, or I don't like my job, or I'm afraid to take the risk or start the business. Like any, any woman who has some sort of struggle in their life, like who doesn't? Um, And like, that's the book that I want to write. And we put together a proposal and sent it out into the world. And it's funny because we had a lot of publishers reject it and say that it was one, an oversaturated market, or they couldn't see a place for it. Um, it wasn't niched down enough and we just kept going and I knew that it would find its right home or I hoped it would anyway, but I wasn't at that point where I was going to self-publish. I didn't want to do that. I really wanted that traditional book deal. And on June 27th, um, just over a year ago, it was June 27th. That's my birthday. I was up in Maine with Jay and we had our two dogs, um, Sparky and Tig at the time with us and we were um, away from my birthday and she and texts me and she says, Hey, happy birthday. Um, are you having a good day or something like that? And, and listen, like, Ann and I don't just chit chat like that. So I'm like, she's texting me. She has something. I knew that the book proposal had made it up the ladder to the acquisitions um, team. So the way it works is an editor identifies. You guys met Lydia last week. Um, So Lydia would have said, I want this book, but she can't just go and buy it. She has to go and get approval from an acquisitions team. So I knew that this book was in that process, but we've been there before. So I wasn't really thinking much about it. And she texts me. She's like, can you talk? And, um, I, I'm like, of course I can talk, but the only problem is, is I'm like calling her. There wasn't any service where I was in Maine in this particular resort. Crazy. So I'm like running around trying to chase the bars and she's like, I'm trying to call you. And I'm like, I'm trying to answer. And I know she has news and I can't get it. But finally I find a little corner of the resort where we get on the phone and she tells me we sold the book. And that was, I guess, the easy part because the next step is you actually have to write the book. Like we sold the idea of the book, but not didn't actually hadn't written the book itself. And when by the time we um, the timeline that was put on it was about September, so that was the end of June. So that mean I had July, August, September. I had a few months to write the book to to turn it in on the timeline um, that I was supposed to. And I sat down and I looked at the pages that I initially had written for the book proposal um, that Lydia had initially read. And I was like, I have to start over. Like none of these, these, I think there were two chapters. I'm like, these chapters don't, they're not right anymore. 
And so again, I texted Anne. I'm like, does it matter if I hit delete on these two chapters and start it over? And she's like, no, you're fine. So it took me about four, three or four months to write this book. And when I wrote it, I did not expect it to come out the way that it did. And, you know, in hindsight, I look back at it and I'm like, had I gotten the book deal when I thought that I wanted it like three years ago or probably even longer than that, um, I wasn't ready to write that book, I realized. I was not ready to be as vulnerable. I wasn't ready to share my stories the way I did. I wasn't ready. Like there was some there's some stories in there that I kind of cracked myself open for. There were some wounds that I thought were healed. Um, things from when I was in my early 20s, like you think that I would have had it all straightened out and fixed. And they came up for me. And I realized, I'm like, if I'm having these thoughts and these concerns or these difficulties and these challenges, there has to be at least one other person out there who feels the same way, who's gone through that same thing. And so when I wrote the book and I shared stories, they're my stories, but they're not mine. You know, it's like they're my stories, but I feel like that anyone out there can read it and have their own version of those stories. Um, I had, you know, I had something really sad happen while I was writing the book, which is all which I talk about in one of the chapters. Um, I mean, it literally wrote that chapter and did not stop crying. Like I sobbed through that entire chapter. So I'm, I'm feeling myself getting a little emotional about it even now. So this book was this unfolding of myself into the pages. And I'm so excited to finally release it. And I'm so proud of it. And I'm so scared. Like I'm so scared for the feedback, like anyone who's a creative or an artist who knows, like, you know, you're going to have critics, you know, you're going to have people who write reviews. And some of these reviews, like, don't be that person that's like, writes the review on Amazon. My book arrived with the torn cover and gives it a one star that has nothing to do <laughs> with the author. Please don't do that. Um, but you know that there's there are going to be people who don't like it and pick it apart. And that terrifies me because it is so personal to me. And I, you know, Jay will say to me, like, don't even look at the reviews. They're not for you. And I know that that's true. And I know that he's right. But I also know that I'm probably not going to be able to stop myself from doing just that. So with that said, I am going to read the introduction to you in a minute, but I wanted to give you the backstory behind this book. And it is literally my love letter to women out there. Um, my mother read the book and I, she had not read it at all. And she did not want to read it until she could actually hold it. And I sent a copy of it to her a couple weeks ago and she read it and said that um, one she kept saying one more chapter, one more chapter. And she didn't even, she's like, I don't even have a bra on yet. And it's like noon. <laughs> um, and two, she said, there isn't a woman out there who shouldn't read this book. And like, that's, that's the stuff. Like those are the comments um, that, that mean something to me. So if you guys are listening and you buy a copy of my book and read it or take it out from the library, wherever you get it, whatever you do. Um, if there's something that resonates with you, please, 
please reach out and tell me. Send me an email or send me a DM on Instagram and just tell me what it was that mattered to you, what made an impact to you that resonated with you. I want to hear from you. Like I, I, it is the thing any writer wants to hear is that their words have impacted a reader in some way. So please, please, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. Um, it is, it is, it's like the thing that I'm going to be living and breathing. Um, and you know, it, it, it matters. And it's the whole reason why I wanted to, to write this book. And, you know, I, if you guys have heard me on other interviews talk about like, it's a hill that I'll die on, but I really, it, it bothers me when people use books as a medium just to promote their brand as if like they're not writing the book, they don't have any emotional attachment to the book. And they put out a book thinking they have to do this in order to build their business or build their brand. And I had last, maybe about a year and a half ago, I had went to attended an event and there was a speaker there who's a phenomenal speaker. Like this guy is so super talented. And he was on a speaking tour because his book was coming out. And I, at the time his book hadn't, wasn't out yet. So I hadn't read it. And his lack of attachment to the book in the sense that he didn't have any emotion, emotionality, is that a word? But he didn't have any emotion attached to it that I said to myself as I was listening to him. I'm like, I bet he did not write this book. I bet it was ghostwritten. And come to find out, I got the book. I read a few chapters. I'm like, this guy did not write this book because I don't hear his voice. I don't know who the author is. I can't picture him. I can't feel him at like, it feels so empty to me and come to find out he did not write the book. It was ghostwritten. And, you know, as a writer, that's so offensive to me because when I, you know, I, I have, I'm lucky to have so many friends who are writers and it's the thing that we, and we write all different genres from middle grade to young adult. And we pour our hearts and our souls into these books and so much of who we are whether we're writing fiction or nonfiction comes up in these pages. And, um, you know, it's part of the craft and the, the art of it. So it's, you know, that, and, and that's why, like, I'm so proud to put this book into the world because I'm so proud of the, the words behind it, the work that went into it, the unfolding, the, the vulnerability, like all of that. So that's the story behind the book. And I'm going to read you the introduction um, right now. And I hope that it resonates with you and you decide to go grab a copy for yourself. Um, There's still, if you're listening to this today, on the day that this releases for another week, we'll have the pre-order bonuses still available. Um, but otherwise, I just really hope that you grab a copy and it becomes something that you highlight. Um, you know, book people will say like you can't bend back the binding or turn the pages down. Like there's an ongoing debate about that. Um, but I say like turn the pages down and and highlight it and do all of the things. So here we go. I'm going to read you the introduction to She Who Wins. I'm a recovering good girl. I've always colored in the lines, 
followed the rules, held my strong opinions, and smiled every step of the way. I've never been suspended or arrested. I've never even failed a class. I did all the right things that were expected of any good girl. Up until my early 30s, my idea of being a rebel was sneaking candy into the movie theater in my oversized bag, breaking dress code in high school, or driving my car until my tank was empty. I hardly think those things would raise me to troublemaker or dissident status. So the early half of my life was well-planned and executed according to my color-tabbed binder. I skipped down the good girl path set out for me, and all was good. That is, until it wasn't. College, check. Law school, check. Marriage three months later, check. Law firm job, check. White colonial in the suburbs with a child on the way, check, check, check. Fired? Wait, <laughs> what went wrong? Good girls don't get fired, the spunky ones do. Should I just put my head down and zip my lips to preserve my security and sanity? But at what cost? Divorced? Hold on, how did that happen? How did I end up divorced with a two-year-old? What was wrong with me for not just being happy with all that I had? Messy entrepreneurship? <laughs> oh no, being a business owner was supposed to be about getting my time back and having financial freedom. So how was I working more than I ever had before? And how did I still have an empty bank account? Divorced again? Now just hold up because this can't be my life. The online dating app said we were a 94% match. It should have told me the 6% that was misaligned would lead to next level glitches. Where did I go wrong? It wasn't supposed to be this way. I didn't have a tab in my binder for turn your life upside down and dump its contents all over the floor. But somewhere along the way, I fell off the train destined for suburban bliss. I was out of touch with who I was at my core and I was lost and alone. I was empty and unfulfilled. I was disconnected. And I knew that if something did not change, I would wake up in 20 years wondering what happened to me. I needed to shift, but I had no idea how. I thought I could hustle and grind my way out of my funk, but all that did was quick fix my feelings. And a bandage is never the solution for a gouge in the soul. That inferno of not knowing who I was, where I was going, or what I wanted was the darkest time in my life. In the moment, I thought divorce was the worst thing that could ever happen to me. Now I know it happened for me. In fact, everything I ran up against played tug of war with my good girl ways. It's impossible to set up a successful business without ruffling some feathers, being a boss and making hard decisions. It's equally impossible to have a healthy relationship when you're compromising who you are because you think that that is what the other person wants. When you shrink your light to make your partner more comfortable, eventually your sparkle dulls. Yet as the years ticked by, I realized something. The only way to live an aligned life was to drop the good girl act and trade her in for something more authentic, something more unruly. And if I was being honest with myself, every time I had an uncomfortable conversation, made a radical decision, or stopped paying attention to other people's opinions, I freaking loved it. The more I flexed my bravery muscle, the stronger it became. The stronger it became, the more I chased my bold dreams to speak on stages, build a multi-million dollar business, invest in other female-owned startups, 
and be able to say no when something didn't feel right. And the more I chased my bold dreams, the more free, fulfilled, and fierce I became. I kept moving the needle every time I stopped making choices from a place of pleasing and started living from a place of truth. Today, it's easy for me to make decisions. I trust myself. I know within seconds if something feels like a hell yes or a hell no. I don't second guess my instincts. The woman I am at my core knows better than anyone what is right for me because she makes my stomach churn and heave if something is off and she delights me with excited anticipation when something is in harmony. She constantly reminds me that I am fierce and capable because I let her warrior voice vibrate through me while I silence the critic and pessimist that tries to disrupt my growth. I don't think about other people's judgments or opinions because they don't offer any value. I surround myself with those who motivate me because inspiration comes from genuine connections and from being around people who are following their own unique purpose. Equally as important, I give my time sparingly to those who vibrate at a low energy because that can be contagious too. Being a good girl got me good grades, honor society, a good enough marriage, and a steady life. Being a good girl also would have kept me stuck at the status quo had I lingered there too long. And that was a life sentence I refused to accept. I wanted more. I know you want more too. This book is for every woman who is told to smile, to quiet down, and to shrink themselves into the smallest version of themselves. It's for every woman who is struggling to make a life-altering decision or is wondering what's next. It's for every woman who thinks this is as good as it gets. It's for every woman who has felt like there has to be more. It's for every woman who feels like she doesn't have a right to complain or feels selfish for even questioning her happiness. Consider this book your permission to get loud in your beliefs, passionate about your convictions, and to sashay confidently into your life on your terms. It's never too late for anything. There isn't an expiration date on ideas. You can find love, write a book, start a business, travel the world, or do whatever you dare to dream at any age. So let's get something straight right now. You don't need to be the good girl anymore. You don't need to follow the path someone else laid. You don't need to fit into a mold. You don't need to make anyone else happy. You don't need to show less emotion. You don't need to be humble. You don't need to pretend to be someone else. There is a fierce woman inside you fighting to get out. She is daring. She is heroic. She's opinionated. She takes up space. She is uncompromising in her dreams. She is you. It's time to get reacquainted with she who wins. And that's the introduction. I hope, I hope this caused something in you. It raised a little bit of some fieriness or made you wonder if you were ready to get a little disruptive and a little unruly. And I hope you go and grab the book and read the rest of it. And I also hope that you reach out and let me know how it has impacted you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for showing up every week. Thank you so much for all of your messages. Remember, she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins. That's a wrap. Please subscribe to the She Who Wins podcast so you'll be the first to know about every new episode that drops. 
Until next time, and remember, she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins.